Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is Good Company in the Car. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. She walks by, the men folks Here we go again. Hello. How are you? Fine, how are you? I am, um, when I was driving down uh, on the Beltway, and you know the driving, driving sucks everywhere, right? It's Kevin specifically does not like being I, in a car. But I, but 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 the the racing the racing you're you're in heavy traffic, right? Yes. And I there's a car behind me, and it was like in Star Wars. You know when the X wing fighter had the Tie fighter behind it, and it's darting all over the place. You know, and it's shooting at him. Yeah. But that was this this guy in a mini. He's trying to get up past all of us, but there's nowhere to go, and he's darting from lane to lane to lane to lane. And I'm like, oh, it's a Tie fighter. I should see little lasers coming off. I'm going past my, and we go. 20 minutes of that. And, you know, we're just going along. It's nobody's getting through this. Here comes a here comes a guy in an Acura at 90 miles an hour right into the gap. Brake lights. I don't get it. It drives well, me nuts. But I, and I, I completely understand what you're saying. You do. You do. I completely 100% understand what you're saying. However, you have no control over those people. Yeah, so I know. So just stay out of their way. It's a punk move to get mad about it, but I, I can't help myself. I told you the story the other day when I was coming uh, to Maryland and that woman behind me, I had left. A, a two-car gap right. in stop and start traffic. It was like we weren't moving. It mm-hmm. was like I couldn't go be... And because I was not right up on the car in front of me, she, she kept blowing her horn and yeah. making all kinds of things. And I, I, would just, have, I would have put my car in park and popped my hood. <laughs> I let her get in front of me. I let her get in front of me. And then I kept gesturing wildly like, see, yeah. we're going so much faster. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, so. I, yeah, you know, complaining about traffic is just... And, I and can't help it, though. But coming out... I, I just, agree with you. I'm like, and the guy who comes through... Literally doing 120 miles an hour. Yes. And then here come, show me your brake lights. And I yeah. never disappointed. The only, the only thing is though, is in the, the state of the world in which it is today, yeah. you do not know if one, someone is lunatic crazy. Yeah. Like not crazy like me where you're just loud and obnoxious, but crazy. Not really crazy. And two, they have a gun or a weapon. Yeah. Especially- no, you let them go. I don't antagonize them, but I'm, I'm just like, I, I hope you wreck. I hope you okay. are in a single vehicle wreck. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? I don't want them to hit anybody else. Now, the, now, see, I, I usually don't say I hope you wreck. I'm usually the other way. Where is a cop? I get pulled over, but I'm not doing yeah. that. And where is the cop yeah. now? Uh, How come I am the one who's not doing anything nearly as bad, and I get in trouble, and this guy is not getting mm-hmm, in trouble? Mm-hmm. That's what. That's where I go. And right. then when you go a little further, and you see they've had a fender bender or something, I do laugh yeah. very hard. I do oh, laugh very well, hard. Speaking of cops, what a good segue! Oh, that's the funny. episode tonight is yeah, about a particularly yeah, bad one. That's really funny. <laughs> and I didn't even mean to do that. How funny is that? Great segue. I know. I'm really good at segue. <laughs> yeah. Segways. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, forensic files. They, they cops were supposed to use segways for a long time. The segway was going to be the new cop thing. In an inner city setting, they're wise. Yeah. They're they're kind of useful, but I don't I don't think they. You, I, you rarely see them. They're supposed to be that. this big thing, and they never happen. But yeah, it was like fetch. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, we're going to do forensic files. Forensic files. This is season five. Season five. Episode five. Episode five. Burning ambition. Burning ambition. So it starts just out for the, just for the just for the people at home. He wrote "burning question" on the notes. I, I did, and I then did. he told me "burning something else" because there I are looked up the Files wrong has one. about nine different episodes yeah. with bur- with a playoff of burning. Well, you know, 
These idiots who think they're going to eliminate. Uh, 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 well, don't don't give it don't give it away. <laughs> don't give it away because this I could not figure out what was going on with this story until three quarters of the way through. I'm like, I, this isn't making any sense to me. What is going on? Were you confused? Also, well, I was, but also the way this forensic files portrayed him, uh-huh. you did not without. I'm, well, I'm, you're, you're. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah, but they did not portray him. They portrayed accurately. him in a very positive manner until uh, the very end. Well, we meet. Matt Bachmeyer, and he's a 25-year veteran of the Seattle Police Force, the Kings County Police Force. He is apparently very well respected by his peers, and here's Detective Denny Gullah. This guy was a police hero. You know, he had been involved in, a, you know, several different types of shootouts or real interesting type of events and uh, had survived them. So, yeah, I guess shootouts are interesting situations. <laughs> he's like, he's been in shootouts. And right. Well, you know, and, and, and the pictures, if you see the pictures of him during this time frame, he's 49 years old. Yeah. And I easily thought he was 60. Yeah, so did I. He, he looks much I, older I than that. I assumed he was 60. The reenactment guy looks exactly like him. Very close. They, they nailed very, it. Very, very close. Oh, good yes. going. So it's July 9th, 1996, and it's 1.30 in the morning, and our boy Matt is at the local bowling alley when a fire breaks out at his house. So after the fire is done, it looks suspicious, so they bring in sniffer dogs, and they find that there have been accelerants used at five separate locations in the home. Uh, one was upstairs, there were two downstairs, there was one in the basement, there was one in the garage. Guadalupe Rios was a drug dealer that Bachmeyer had shot and killed eight years earlier. So we see some graffiti on the side of his shed, and it says, Die pigs, you're dead, Rios lives. So Matt said that he'd been receiving death threats from a gang associated with Rio. Um, this is Dave Marin. This is Bachmeyer's sergeant. We were concerned anytime a fellow officer's home is, is arson, that's a traumatic event for them. And I talked to him about what he might need as a way of help and support. Uh, and time off to recover from that. So he says it's always kind of it's always traumatic. I want to put a big pin in this uh, Guadalupe Rios. Okay, thing. but I, I like Dave Marin. It's always traumatic when one of our officers gets his house um, well, yeah. <laughs> arsoned. Like it happens all the time. Well, I think I think a lot of it. I, I think this was a much larger uh, uh, police station force or whatever. Uh-huh. Because I, in my mind, I always think growing up in a really small town with a really small police force where you knew everybody who lived in town knew the police officers even if you didn't know them you knew who they were so and like i always say and i've always said and i will always say if you have a really small police force and let's say there's seven cops on that police yeah. force there's gonna be one that's, that's bad sketchy. <laughs> that's sketchy not bad <laughs> sketchy and so magnify that the bigger the police force the bigger the percentages. So instead of two guys or three guys, you got five. It just, it just all depends on human nature is human nature. That's never going to change. You have people who want to be cops because mm-hmm. they want to be do good. Mm-hmm. There's people who, who become cops simply because they kind of stumbled into it. And it's a job. And then they got people who want to be cops who, because they know they can get away with they shit. They get off on the power of it yep. and stuff like that. Okay. There, sorry. Got off. Let me call. Hold on. I got to put a cold compress <laughs> on my forehead again about it. Okay. We learned that during the investigation into the arson, that Bachmeyer himself had uncovered some information. A couple of weeks after the event, he was called to break up a fight at a home. 
One of the men involved was named Brad Wren. He has his leg in a cast because his roommate had shot him oh, in the leg no. previous, the week previous and literally shattered his tibia. Unbelievable. So Bachmeyer takes him in to make a statement. And during the investigation, Wren asks Bachmeyer if he's the cop that had his house burned down. And then we get this reenactment. And this is all according to Bachmeyer. Bachmeyer. So here we get this great reenactment. Are you the cop that had his house burned down? Yeah, why? When Bachmeyer said yes, Wren allegedly told Bachmeyer that he knew the identity of the arsonist. It's a drug dealer I met in the bar. Pepe Hernandez. Pepe Hernandez told Wren that a local cop had stolen some drugs and money from him during a recent drug bust. Hey man, this cop busted me the other day. Yeah? He stole my dope and my stash of money. So what are you gonna do? I know where he lives, and I wanna go get my stuff back. You know, I'll give you 500 bucks if you come and help me. The cop Hernandez was talking about was none other than Sergeant Bachmeyer. So I said, okay. Then what happened? We broke in your house. Pepe tore the house up. We couldn't find the drugs or the money. So Pepe started stealing things, paintings and, and statues. And I heard him say he was going to burn your house down. So according to Ren, while they are in the process of burning the guy's house down, they decide that they're going to start stealing artwork, artwork. and trophies. Unbelievable. Which is just... When you, when, and when you see just, this artwork, oh my shitty, god. The shitty framed photos of like cougars and mountain lions and like the bald eagle against the mountainside. We learn a little bit more about Brad. Brad was in the Air Force and he was involved in a very serious accident on his motorcycle. They weren't sure he was going to survive. He had a very traumatic head injury. He was in a coma and here's his mom. He had massive brain injuries. They didn't know if he went in a coma. They didn't know what to tell us or anything till they come out of the coma. Now, I want to say about the parents, they seem like very normal, salt-of-the-earth type of people. And she seemed really worn out I, I think this I took was a lot out say of her that life has been hard on them so yeah, yeah but these these were good, good these did people. not seem like bad people at all there was nothing nothing with no them. so he was never the same again these and that happens a lot of time with these traumatic brain injuries well, that, yeah. it just changes their personality he started getting in trouble with the law and eventually he goes to jail for some sort of sexual offense they didn't go into it but that's great well that could have been something as simple as looking in windows um, or something he got into the fight with his roommate Emmett Marcel oh who also has a history of mental oh problems. Oh, my goodness. And this is Brad's dad, <laughs> Rex Wren. Now, imagine, if you will, for a minute, oh your last name is Wren, you have a baby boy, and you name him Rexford. Uh, Rex Wren. Anyway, here he is. His roommate had a mental problem, too. And if he didn't take his medication, why, then he was just more or less wacky. And uh, evidently, he'd been off his medication for a while, and him and Brad got into it. They were doing some kind of siding or roofing or something for a friend. And Brad hit Emmett's finger with a hammer. And that's what Emmett said he shot him for. 
Okay, now we have Becky Gibbs. She is a no-nonsense arson investigator. So this is Forensic Files after all. She tells us what happened in the fire and why it's not typical in a revenge fire. And typically, if somebody's going to set a fire for revenge, they may go to some trouble to set a fire. But this particular way of setting a fire takes some time. So, and then, of course, they're showing these pictures of gas tanks, like mm-hmm. the kind of gas tank you get gas for your lawnmower yeah. in. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then they have these road flares shoved into the... It's pretty inventive, and, you know? Well, no, because I'm like, that's not going to work really well because road flares produce so much ash yeah. that it's not going to... It's going to look fishy or whatever. Well, I, it's not going to burn. It's not going to burn that way. It's not going to burn because... Well, you, apparently it did. Well, but it didn't because all the evidence was still there. It was still there. Right, right, right. right. But, um, yeah, they, he stuck flares, whoever it was, these guys, and then they, the flare finally gets to the tank, it blows up. So there were five of these set around the house. Becky tells us they typically don't do this, a revenge fire, but they slowly start to realize that the fire is giving you time to establish an alibi. And they're already starting to look at Bachmeyer and saying, this is kind of fishy. Right. Maybe you're, it's insurance Because think fraud. about it. If, it. if it was a real revenge fire, mm-hmm. they would have just gone through the house with gasoline and splashed it everywhere and ran out of the house and lit it on fire. Yeah. Not set up these time these Time. Yeah, no, no, no. It, made, it, it, was, yeah. it was all wrong. They are now turning their investigation towards Bachmeyer, and then this is when Bachmeyer hands over the interview that he supposedly took with Jay. And, and, and the reason and that it, he was it, holding on to this- Because it implicated because him. Because it implicated him in something else. In the story. And so. that's why he didn't want to turn, turn this it in. in. And so they can't find any record of this supposed drug dealer anywhere in their records. Now they want to speak to Brad, but they can't find him. I knew Brad was dead. I knew it. I don't know how I knew it. But I knew my son was dead. We would have heard from him. He would have never went off and left his dogs with nobody taking care of him. He would have never, he would have just never left them like that. So, yeah, wow, Brad's mom went straight to 10 with that. I knew he was dead. <laughs> but he left all of his clothes. He left his dog. He didn't call his parents. They were like, something's happened. Now, of course, and if that really somebody who knows you and and they're like he left his dog he wouldn't yeah. leave his dog yeah if you let you wouldn't leave your dog I you wouldn't leave, leave the bus yeah, yeah, no, i would leave, know yeah. he's dead yeah something, something's wrong yeah he left the dog yeah. exactly exactly so that his mom was sure and the last known person to see brad alive was bachmeyer and when the detective says have you do you know what happened to ren he's like well he says this he starts laughing he goes well if you find him dead with my business card uh, nailed to his forehead, you'll know who to come talk to. And he kind of laughs it off kind of jokingly. And, you know, I wrote that down when he says it because I'm going, that's kind of bizarre. So, yeah, if you find him with my business card nailed to his forehead, oh let me know. God. Is that fucked up or that what? That is really fucked up. <laughs> I mean, Especially when they know it's a missing person. person. I yeah. just, so I, I I get the feeling you're going to give me some real dirt on this guy at the end of it this. Did, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the detective clearly was taken aback by that. And he, he wrote it down. The, <laughs> fact, yeah. the fact that the officer said that to the detective and yeah. the detective's like, I, wrote I, immediately, <laughs> I immediately wrote that down. Like. <laughs> So, Jeffrey Barrett is a prosecutor, and he is here to tell us how unusual the interrogation Brockmeyer conducted with Brad was. It would be highly, highly unusual for a, a, a experienced police sergeant of 25 years to take a statement like that alone from a suspect. And then certainly to release him immediately afterwards would be uh, extremely 
extremely rare. So investigators now have two investigations on their hands. They want to find the arsonist who set fire to Brockmire's house, but they also need to find Brad. So, And none of it's making sense because, n- no. because the fire, they're like, well, this doesn't make sense. This And have you gotten to the part? I'm, if I'm getting ahead, I don't think I'm getting ahead. They found all the, I'm doing air quotes, they, valuables. This is where they found it in the shed that they, wasn't burned. They found right. all of his, tro- his, his bowling his trophies. His artwork. <laughs> it's and so his shitty. artwork is like framed animal prints from Walmart. I, I'm it's, not trying to be mean. Because you know, I, you know you've been to those places where they have all the wind, just, the, 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 it, the dream catchers it, and all that kind of stuff. Garbage. It's that's, well, it's personal <laughs> taste. But for him to value that... Uh-huh. That's really funny. Right. So we're talking three or four hundred dollars for a print. So he's taking these three or four hundred dollar uh-huh. air quotes. They all just happen to be in the, uh, the, the they one all thing just that wasn't burned. To be in a stack <laughs> in the shed in a white plastic bag. So they now take the um, confession that Brad supposedly gave, and they take the the seven or eight sheets, and they run them through a video spectrography. This one, it, like, really before you get into this, before you get into this one, uh. I when. I, I, you know, when you roll your eyes so hard that it's, it's like, it, it hurts. <laughs> I rolled my eyes and rubbed them, my hand down the front of my face. Like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Please go on, Kevin. Okay. So they run it through this and they can see that the, the confession was written out. Bachmeyer wrote it down while Jay dictated it to him. And. Supposedly at the police it? station. How did it go? Dictated it. <laughs> That's not what you just said, <laughs> but okay. Dictated it. <laughs> okay. I get, I get all yeah, I know. So he's initialed it on six of the seven pages. His family confirms that that's his initials. But then at the top, his uh, birth date is different on each and page. And his wrong. job isn't correct. And they run it under this video spectography analysis. And they can see that it was written with four different inks at and different times. See... Ooh, this is bothering me so much. Okay, this is why this bothers me so much to, on so many things. One of the things, if you you know, good company in the car, you know that I hate paperwork. Yeah, I hate <laughs> doing paperwork. It is it is <laughs> Kilroy. I'm looking at oh, you. I'm so sorry. My boss has got the patience of a saint, and and I hate doing it so much. So imagine it's. Imagine doing it where you actually have to handwrite it. Oh my God, uh. shoot me. And then I'm thinking in my office, the pins are kind of all the same mm-hmm. because we're getting our pins from, from the a same supply. supply. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know that, that why was in different I think he must that, have written it over different days or while he came but up. But that's why I'm thinking to myself, you know you're forging this piece. Okay. So so what we've discovered is that this form has been forged. Not forged in the sense that it was false made he, falsely. He, he, he created it. He yes, wrote it. He wrote this down. And now, he now, typically knew he, he was going to do it and he didn't get two or three of the same pins. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So what, what what typically happens when the per, when person is making a confession or a statement to the police, the policeman writes it down. Then they say, read it over and initial it if this is correct. So that's okay. what he said he How did. How many times have you had to do this, Kevin? I just I, forensic files, got oh, it. You know, yeah, right. No, okay. I've never, well, I, I have. Had I've to never do. been arrested. <laughs> I was say, hey, that's not nice. That's me. So now they're that's really funny. looking hard. And at the cops' Bachmeyer. pins were all the same. I'll tell you that. <laughs> So they look in in, in uh, Bachmeyer's car and they find oh <laughs> and they find oh, so some ridiculous. blood stains. 
So they pull the seat back seat up, and there is a massive blood stain underneath the, the seam of the car, of the seat. So they take it to the I lab. I want to pause you right there. Now, one of the things that I found very, 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 very interesting about that. Cop cars, most yeah. cop cars, have vinyl seats for easy cleaning. Correct. And the idea that... The stitching Mm -hmm. on the top of the seat where the piping or whatever was put on the seat, that is where, I don't know if you caught this or not, that is where the blood went into the cushion. And then into the foam underneath. Because if it hadn't been for that, it would have been a solid, like sometimes you get in cabs and there's no, it's just a solid Mm -hmm. piece of wire. Well, the seats in the back of this cop car had little little decorative indentions in it, which was made from stitching from sewing and that's how the blood so the weight on a cushion and then when the weight the the blood got sucked into the cushion and stained the underlying Mm. level of the vinyl where the cloth was on the back of the vinyl okay so to recreate that same size stain investigators found it would have taken two quarts of blood bachmeyer says the blood was from the a bloody Bloody nose nose. that ran from the fight and they said, no, 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 this would have been two quarts of blood, well, which they pointed out was like, really bleeding, life, life-threatening. You know, that would kill you. If you lost two quarts of blood, you'd be unconscious. You'd probably die. Well, so uh, the, unfortunately, the, this poor man did. Yeah, they, they, the investigation was dragging on. They do a reverse paternity test with his parents' sample of blood from his dad, and they confirm that that is... Ren's blood. He says it was from a bloody nose. They're saying there's so no way that happened. So over two quarts of blood were 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 t- were it t- it would take over two, two quarts, quarts of blood, blood to, to recreate create that stain. these stains in the back of this guy's car. All right. So the investigation is kind of stalling, even though they've got all this. But then they don't have a body. So, well, this is what happens. Seven months after Brad Wren's disappearance, hikers in a restricted area of Cougar Mountain Park outside of Seattle found some bones and what appeared to be a human skull. So they found his bones, his skull, and some of his bones in a state park outside of Seattle. Most of it had been scattered. His skeleton had been scattered by animals, and right. he found the skull. Which is not uncommon. They found the cast that was they around. They found the cat. And so this dipshit. <laughs> okay, so so whoever. Okay, so get this. Well, I'm going to kill it. this. Hu- I'm going. I'm going to kill this human being who has a very obvious cast on his leg. It was painted red, white, and blue. It was right at the top. White in the middle, blue on the foot. On top of that, <laughs> there's the blood in the car. Right. And on top of that, <laughs> the injury had a repair in the, the bone. bone. No, the bone, because the tibia was literally shattered. And oh. they had to replace about a three-section segment with a steel rod. And there's the bone with the rod in it. And, and the, it's, it's, it's just I as cannot, plain as day. So, this, and so, so, of course, what I'm thinking is I'm still trying to give the, the dumb, dumb cop the, the benefit of the doubt. He's been a cop for 25 years. Yeah. And he, it never occurred occurred to him well maybe <laughs> i need and they showed the picture i i'm assuming it was a real picture it was it they was, showed it the was. picture of the cast yeah. like kind of in the wooded setting yeah. and it's a cast it's all there. there by itself and they can they can tell by the degree of decay on the bone it's been there for less than a year right. the bones so they're like that would jive with how long Ren's been missing. But again, they found his skull and they found the cast right. and they found the bone with the implant mm-hmm. thing in mm-hmm. it. Yep. Unbelievable! I'm just, I just can't believe this guy was a cop. <laughs> this guy was a cop. So, oh, we, we, I would pros- expect a cop to be able to do a murder better. <laughs> I don't know. I know that sounds. I'm glad like some, they don't. <laughs> I know that that sounds really, really fucked up, and I, 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 I understand how messed up that is. Mm. But this is the. 
little old ladies who watch crime, crime shows, shows could for do a better job than this. <laughs> would understand this better than this. So, Prosecutor Jeffrey is back to answer the question all of us have, or actually not to answer it, but to point out how <laughs> ridiculous and convoluted <laughs> the story is. The story is so convoluted and so sort of pathetically obvious in its fabrication that it almost defies belief. I mean, I think it would be rejected as a plot for a novel or a script for a movie because it just seems so absurd and outlandish and unnecessarily sort of complex and contradictory. I was completely confused and I could not figure out where this was going. It was like something straight out of Fargo. So Brockmeyer was aspiring to be a professional bowler. What he wanted was the insurance money from his house to pay for his life. He's shaped like a pear. And do you know, do you know professional bowling? Do you know how much they make? The very top, the very top guys, they make about $80,000 a year. Those are the top like 10 guys. I was under the impression that professional bowlers still had to maintain full-time jobs. Most of them do. It's not really a lifestyle you aspire to. So, and he's a cop. Right. He's a cop and his goal is to become a professional bowler. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So as the focus on the investigation shifts towards Bachmeyer, Bachmeyer now needs an alibi or somebody to blame it on. And that's when Ren comes in. He just, they feel he just kind of spontaneously came up with this and was like, I know, I'll just say this guy did it. Write up this ridiculous story. Kill him. When I'm forced to show the uh, the confession, uh, the reason I didn't sh- turn it in earlier was because it implicates me in, you know, holding on to And this other crime guy. Yeah, this other... Oof. The oh statement, the statement Brad supposedly gave gets Bachmeyer off the hook for the arson. But here are Brad's parents one last time. I've never been so mad at somebody in my whole life. There was a time or two there that I just wanted to get hold of him so bad. I think I could have ripped him limb by limb. I was just furious with that man. I don't think he's much of a man. I, I think the man must have a mental problem or something. I don't know. I can't feature a police officer. 25 years or so doing something like this without having some kind of a problem. What 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 was he going to gain out of it? You know, I don't know. So his mom literally wanted to kill him. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes. Um, but his dad was very, he's like, I. did you hear him? He's just like, there had to be something wrong with him. It, because, it, because it, like I said earlier, Rin's parent, the, the, the mom and dad, the mom and dad were kind good-hearted people they were salt of the earth people yeah. so to him well, there had to be something wrong with it like yeah they just couldn't wrap well, their minds around it something ex- so evil and, and the mother was was more i don't know i, I guess hurt or not hurt that's not the right word but she was just taking it hard she's like i want to kill him yeah i want to rip him limb from but limb those is poor what she people, said they're, and they're, the, they're, just they're their son is in this horrible accident. Who had never accident. gotten in trouble, had never had a problem after until that after the accident. And then it's just a spiral, and he has oh. to live in a group house with other men, people oh. with mental issues, and, and it just spiraled and spiraled, and then Bachmeyer has to come into the picture. It's terrible. Well, he gets sentenced to first-degree murder. We see the perp walk. Oof. Oof. So we get the roundup. I can't pretend to uh, to tell you what sort of a person gets drawn into a web of his own making to the extent that he's willing to take a human life. Uh, All I can say is that we see this happen, and we rarely see it happen with a law enforcement officer with 25 years of service. But uh, most murders are fundamentally inexplicable, unreasonable, irrational events. I think um, stupid would apply, but I think the thing that comes to mind is just really underestimated 
the people that worked around him. One of our members was uh, talking not too long ago about someone writing a book about this, and they said, I don't think anybody will write a book about this because when you tell the story, it's not believable. Um, but it is interesting. And so I think this still, for, for quite some time to come, will will be with our department, unfortunately. Yeah, and everybody is saying, I don't think anybody's going to write a book about this just because, because it's so absurd. It's so stupid. They can't believe how bad of a storyline <laughs> it right? is. And right. did you think it was, you were, I, I know you, I saw you shaking your head. Like, this doesn't make any sense because. <laughs> that he thought anybody would buy this. But because I think he thought people would buy it because I have this upstanding. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, but the problem is. He didn't have the upstanding uh, uh, character that he thought he did. And I want to go back to this. He's 49 years old in this yeah. picture. It, he's doing the perp wop. Yeah. It, I swear to God, if he walked past me, I'd say he was 60. Yeah, he did look like And he was shaped like a pear. Yeah. And I love it when these guys, I'm going to be a professional athlete. Dude. Well, I, you, <laughs> well but still, that requires a lot of stamina. But I, I just. I, I'm, I, not, I'm not ragging on bowling. No, man. no, you, no, no, you, no, no. You have to do that. Yeah. And it's tough on the lower back. But I'm just going <laughs> back to. When he said the the uh, uh, the statement that Ren originally gave him in the reenactment, and he's like, "And this guy Pepe, when we you Pepe know, you're going to give me five hundred bucks to break into his house," and I I said I would, and he just like that Ren just spontaneously gave this confession Should- to him, you know, and it's just like, oh wow, that's crazy. You want to know what? I helped burn your house down. <laughs> it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. So anyway, he got uh, he's he you you have some you have some I thought. do have I have some research. Uh, I do know that in 2018. He- he was turned down for his uh, for, for a parole. parole, and he is apparently still in jail. I could not find any more information. I thought maybe he had died, but I couldn't get a verification on 2001 right. or um, 2021, uh-huh. but I could not get a uh, verification on that. So to the best of my knowledge, he's still in the Washington State uh, Correctional uh, facility. facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you know, cops oh. in jail, they get beat up on too. Well, yeah. but- yeah, they they do not do yeah. well. Yeah, well, I'm assuming that they have to put him in like protective. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so well. okay, so so this is the other thing. I don't know if this was I, none of the things I'm going to say are in any kind of order because you know I I don't work that way. One of the things that the officers, the investigation officers said was. The last person that sees someone alive, it's very important Frequently. to the case yeah. because you're the last person. Not only was Ren seen in the car, yeah. with, but there were like a bunch witnesses. of people yeah. who saw him get in the car and he was never seen again. again. Yeah. So this cop guy's try- oh, let's go down to the station. Blah, 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 I wonder blah, what blah. other shit he pulled on during his well, that's, years. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So uh, one of the things about the house that they is he was incredibly proud of this house. He was he was, it was uh, a nice looking house. It really it, was. Well, it was okay. Well, from the but, street, it didn't look like it that much burn damage, right. but that, then inside it looked pretty bad. But apparently, he had gotten into some trouble. The officer uh-huh. uh, Bachmeyer uh-huh. had gotten into trouble as a as a teenager, I think, with some maybe some writing some bad checks or something like. Sure. I uh, got into some trouble as a teenager that didn't keep him from the dream of becoming a police officer. So he wanted to be a police officer. And it, it, mm-hmm. it, and usually the mentality of the people who do crimes and then try to become law enforcement yeah. is they're trying to they're I, trying to make themselves bigger or better or, uh-huh. or, 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 or whatever. And he falls directly into that category. Yeah. He was yeah. he was a person that did not have a very exciting life. And mm. I'm going to be a cop. Yeah. And, you know, I can see I can see that. Uh, oh, and for the record, 
You know, 99.9% of cops are good cops. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's that 0.01%. I am not anti-cop at all. No, no, no. We are very pro-cop on this podcast. I'm not anti-cop at all. But But it's... Just a couple of... You just... But just one, it looks so... It's like most priests are good. You just need one bad priest and everybody looks bad. Right. So, one of the things in in my research was that the... In... Bachmeyer's past, he had shot and killed a man mm-hmm. named Rio. Uh, some- we talked about him. Okay. Yeah, Rio. Rio. Well, there was a lot of controversy about this because Bachmeyer was saying he was armed and none of the people at the place said he yeah. had a weapon. Oh, he was unarmed. And yeah. that Bachmeyer shot him and shot killed, him. Th- th- killed him. And then apparently, according to the family, Bachmeyer kind of stalked the wife and kid. Oh, my God. Yes. So here she was trying to say, my, my husband didn't do that. He didn't have a gun. Uh-huh. He didn't do that. And, of course, Bachmeyer got the, well, he's not lying. Bachmeyer's not lying. Right. He got so the benefit of the doubt. And then, so he, then he antagonized the widow and the kid. He antagonized the widow and the daughter. Ugh. So there was that. And she, of course, said later, like, uh, I really hope there's some investigation into this now, proving because he's a liar. Yeah. I really hope that something else comes up. Comes, well, uh, you, comes you know, he got his comeuppance, but yeah. Jesus. Um, so he also, Bachmeyer was also a coach for the local, like. Bowling fo- team? No, 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 no. For the kids, football and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the, he looked like. What is it called when, uh, uh public intramural intramurals like the intramural stuff he did the football and he would say well this gives me my humanity from being a cop i get to i get to so he he, like told so everybody thought oh what a great guy and he's such a straight shooter and he's this and the kids really like him hiding and apparently there was one of the one of the kids that you know the families that had been under him were incredibly like there's no way. There's no way he did this. Yeah. And then the more they learn, they're like, oh, no. That's oh, like the no. BTK killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just, you know, oh, he's a family man. It can't be Dennis Rader. So, um, Bachmeyer had been married. He was married yeah. to a woman who was a postal worker. I don't think there was children. If there were, I overlooked God, it. I, I hope there weren't. Um, and of course, they're, he has to be divorced, right? No, no, no. There is a Bachmeyer. I just saw it came across the kid. Bachmeyer was said to have been a wonderful, by one of his kids, a wonderful father and a supportive role model. Right. So when he and the wife, I guess, got into their age and, you know, the kids are leaving Out and stuff the like that, they, they like, got a divorce. I can't stand you. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got a divorce. Well, and, um, Longtime neighbors, straight up guy, great with kids, you know. Right. This is really devastating to us, uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. All right. I'm- oh, back to the, back to the Rios thing. Uh, after the, Bachmeyer would sit in his patrol car outside the Rios home and then follow her daughter, who was 13 at the time, to school. That's creepy. I shouldn't have been allowed to do that. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have been allowed to do that. You know. Wow. All right. It's just well, all horrible. It's Bachmeyer, just absolutely yeah, horrible. Well, if you're still out there, well, I don't, yeah. I don't even know, but. Um, people try to drive more slowly. <laughs> try to drive more slow. <laughs> and don't be assholes. And in, don't commit in insurance fraud. And uh, if it's don't not working just try out, to be, listen. <laughs> if there's anybody on the planet, I have to try every every day to be a nice person. If we have to be nice, is, you have to be it, nice. It's very very hard for me because it is so easy to be fuck you. Yeah, it is just, sure it is, is right there. It is right there. Yeah. And it's so hard. And I try so hard to be. Uh, you yeah. know. Nice. And if Patient I can try this hard, damn it, you can. <laughs> Oh, and there was also a couple of legal settlements against Bachmeyer. There was a uh, hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for beating of a of a of a individual with a nightstick, and a forty thousand one for an illegal arrest and assault of another man. And it was found out that 
uh, Bachmeyer was getting his pension. police pension in jail, and I, I think it equaled to about thirty thousand dollars a Sounds year. About right. And the Wren family sued for to get it. I guess damages, and apparently, I think they they are getting it as, get as part of damages. Great, but it's but of course. It's only the thirty thousand dollars because Ren. They're saying, well, Ren wasn't a, a upstanding citizen. That was blah 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 blah. Oh jeez. So, yeah. So then they're they're putting him. Yeah, putting a price on his life. All right. Thank you for listening. Right. Or